So even like the conviction they have when they're even asking questions or whatever, they're not confident. So they don't know quite well, you know, and I've seen them sometimes where maybe they've been in industry for a long time and they change industries and it's totally new to them. And they haven't really taken the time to really understand the ideal customer profile, the right use cases, et cetera. So they're not hauling numbers and bought it, but also number two, the questions they have are not as good or as well structured as when they did before. Because at this point, they've done it so many times. And now this new industry, they're not the same way. So even though they're asking good questions, even how they do it and what they're asking, they're not as confident or they don't feel as good. That's really key. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. On today's episode of Decision Point, Marcus Chan comes back into the studio to talk with Brad and continue their conversation from last week. Marcus explains the skills that he's seen of successful salespeople and what somebody who is struggling can do to improve their sales abilities. So, so let's transition a little bit. So tell us about, you know, today, tell us about the, the business. Who do you, who do you go, who do you go after in terms of, you know, I know you talked a little bit about the clients that you have, but, and how you got there, but, you know, tell us about the, you know, tell us about the, maybe some of the tactics or anything you're specifically passionate about. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I love what I do now. I mean, not that I didn't love what I did before, but now it's like, I'm going to, I'm a firm believer. Like when you truly master selling, you are serving at the highest possible level. So like when you have a really good offer solution, you can really impact that other person, that business owner, whoever you're talking to, the CFO, the C-suite, whatever. So I'm passionate about that. And I also know because I had pretty good success with B2B sales in my career, it transformed my life. It put me in position to do whatever I want. And I feel incredibly blessed for that. So now I get to help people do the exact same thing. And typically the people I'm working with clients are like, they're usually like account executives, some like SDRs, BDO, which are like top of the funnel work. Right. Is this more coaching or is there a service component to this? So it, it's high performance coaching, right? So like people go into my program, they're typically going to my group coaching and course program, which is a high ticket offer. So they go into that type of solution and they're able to transform their results from A to Z. So ideally they have a little bit of experience, you know, at least this way we have some, some, some basis to work with, but, but if they don't, no worries, but if they've been in sales for a long time, as long as they're not egotistical, they're going to be able to learn and get some pretty fast results too. So it's been, it's been pretty awesome. I mean, it, we've been in business now for over, over just over two, uh, just over two years now, because we're now in as time is recording, we're at the end of October. So just over two years now. So we brought in over 300 plus clients. I mean, now we've been featured in Forbes, Market Watch. Oh yeah, so I saw you're making your you're stuff. making you're making your ways around yeah, on man. the on the ink and on some of the magazines. Yeah, Do you have? Yeah. So here's my question: When you think about your compet, like when you think about who you compete with, are you com- are you competing with some of these? You know, there's schools that have launched. You know, and I can't think of some of the names, but there's a handful of these kind of SDR and sales sales rep schools that help you get you know, take you through the boot camp, and then they help you get get a job and then you pay back as you is it kind of like that yeah. or is it no those, those are, so i don't really compete with those i mean those are like they usually have like those like isas income share agreements etc i think those are really cool because those a lot of them are designed for like hey how do you get into tech sales right for most of them it's like hey you know you you either you pay them a certain percentage or you pay a certain amount you join the program and they help you find a job which i think is that's a that's a great program for a lot of people i don't really can be compete with them in fact i partnered up with some of them before because sometimes it's a good feeder program for them to, to go through that program. And then once they're ready to really invest themselves, they go to my program. 
because mine really takes them to the next level and really just supercharges everything they do. So I don't compete with them really. Gotcha. Okay. No, I was just trying to get my frame. I was trying to frame up the program. I was trying to understand, just kind of trying to figure out where to, where to fit it right in the, in the scheme. Do you think everybody can sell? Well, I believe they can learn how to sell, (laughs) Uh, you know, like, can they sell by themselves automatically? Not necessarily. I think most people, you know, they lack certain frameworks to understanding how to be successful, but also more importantly, they lack the understanding of human and sales psychology. So I think the mistake a lot of people make is when they go into sales, they're like, oh, you know what? Like I'm outgoing, I'm likable, people like me. And yeah, they might that might be good, but they may still lack really core fundamentals actually make them truly great at sales. So it's not actually replicatable. So like, for example, that's why it's not uncommon. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. You're good. You just, you got me, you, you're getting in my wheelhouse of things I like to talk about. So keep, keep going. You know, I think like, for example, like, you know, it's not uncommon. I see someone who maybe in one industry, they crushed it. They go to a different industry and then they're struggling because it's not transferable what they were doing because foundationally they weren't really set well. So they had some, maybe some natural instincts some some natural luck that went in their, in their favor. But once they're in a whole new industry where they're forced to actually prospect and close, they struggle. And I've seen this across the board. People that have been sales for years, they're like, oh, man, like I was really crushing it here. But then they realized, well, I was getting lots of inbound leads. I had someone booking my appointments for me. And now this new role to start up. Foundationally, we're not set. No one's booking my meetings. No one knows my company name. I got to book my own meetings. My process, sales process is running super long. I've never sold into, say, healthcare space or education. The sales cycle is longer. So they just don't know these things. So they actually end up struggling and potentially even second-guessing themselves if they should maybe do something else. I see it all the time, actually. Now, do you think it's in that situation it's better for you to, to take a time out and say, okay, what kind of sales am I good at? And then to go to try to put yourself in that situation? Or would you encourage somebody to like – I would say for someone, it's. I'm also a firm believer. Your sins follow you everywhere you go. All right, and it's kind of like relationships, right? Like let's just say, for example, like you know, I'm married right now, which which is awesome. I've been married for over a decade now, but let's just say if I've been married multiple times, nothing, nothing, there's anything wrong with it. But the consistent thing that keeps popping up is that I'm really selfish, right? Okay, <laughs> if constantly I'm only thinking about me, and and that's a, that's a cause of the demise of each relationship. You might you have to find, yes, find someone who doesn't care that you're selfish, right? But that's your sin that's carrying you around. And look at sales the same way. Like if you're missing core fundamentals, actually make you truly great at sales. Like for example, say active listening. See if you're not a good active listener. Well, that's going to follow you everywhere you go. And yeah, for, for in some process, maybe it's a little bit easier, but I'd much rather make sure you have the right tools and foundation so you can really maximize your skill and your comp plan. Otherwise, you'll be capped based off the limits you have already based off your current skill set. Was, was that a nice way to t- tell me I need to be a better active listener? I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, call them as it is. When my kid's 12 years old, he uh, or my kid who's 12 is a baby, he doesn't ever wear any pants. He's always got his diaper on. And the pe- people used to come over and they're like, we love how your kid doesn't wear any pants. But I don't think that was a compliment. I think they were telling us we need to put some pants on. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so active, so active listening. So I want, I want to hone in on that because, because I think the one thing that's really important about selling, I think there's two, I think curiosity is one and I think active listening is another. So I grew up in a family and I sort of learned this, this drove me crazy. My dad was a counselor. He 
he was a marriage th- family therapist. And uh, so, so he would do, he would like active listen on us and it would drive me crazy. to this date. Like if I get stuck in a, and if I'm talking to somebody who's been sailor, sand, Sandler sales trained and they start putting me in the pain funnel, I freak out. I'm like, I, I just start going, I just start going, I just start going crazy. But I think the important thing is that you got to be, you got to intentional, you got to be intentional. You got to actually care. So if you're going through the, if you're active listening and you don't care, it comes off. It's kind of like Chick-fil-A. I don't know if they have those out in uh, Portland or not, but here yeah, in Indianapolis, they say my, yeah. they say my pleasure. Um, yes. And I caught somebody the other day said my pleasure and it was not authentic. And I go to Chick-fil-A a lot and I, I felt like I need to get out. I, I didn't, but I felt like I need to get out of the car and be like, hey, you know, don't say it if you don't mean it. It's like, I feel like the thing about Chick-fil-A is you feel like it's your restaurant, or at least I do. I feel like when they yeah. screw up, I feel like I, I'm like, hey, this is my restaurant. If you're going to say my pleasure, you have to mean it. Because when you say my yeah. pleasure and you really don't care, it really, it's almost like, it's it's like saying a bet. It's like, it's like profane. It's like being profane. So um, you're basically cussing at the, the client. So you got, so there's a couple things that I think are really important in sales that you highlight. I think active listening, I think curiosity, you know, you got to be curious and you got to care. I think those are the three kind of core. Like when I think about a good salesperson, I think about somebody who cares about the client. We say empathy, but I sort of think that gets like an over. Yeah. I feel like it's overused. You got to care. Yes. You got to give a crap. You got to care yeah. about your. You know, it's like you go to a restaurant and the gal uh, behind the counter is making your beef taco and she just like throwing the beef on there. It's like, look, it shouldn't make a difference how you threw that on there, but it really does. Like, I like it's true. Like, if you've been like, a, it makes a difference. I'm watching you. I don't, do this. I don't, I, I don't want to stop like, when they wrap it in proper. I'm like, come on, no. wrap it tight. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to try, no when you're a yeah. restaurant, you grew up at the restaurant. So you're probably, okay. So I think caring is really important. You can call it empathy, you can call it caring, you can call it give it a crap, whatever. You got to care about what you're doing. Yes. You got to be a good listener and you got to be curious. And I think when we think about selling, we typically think about people you nailed it. People like me. I'm a good talker. You know, I can communicate. None of that stuff really cares because right. you can grunt. If you if you can grunt and you can ask questions, you can close deals. Like I've closed some That's deals. Right. Like I don't always think of myself as being like the best communicator. I'm a really good asker of questions. Mm-hmm. So like I can ask really good questions, but I don't always communicate stuff effectively. But I've sold some really big stuff and I've gotten done and I've been like, I can't believe these people bought because I didn't say anything. I literally just like, I grunt through, like I, you know, I, I made some sounds, but I ask good questions. And I think that's right. super important is you got to be able to ask questions. So is there any, do you agree with those kind of three principles? And is there anything else you'd think about adding to that? I 100% agree. I mean, I believe those who, it's funny because I believe those who really are great at selling really have just mastered the art of asking questions. I think that's what when it breaks down to when you can really, when you really master the art of asking questions, I have found, I'm sure you've seen the same thing. Like 90% of the time, if you just ask the right questions and if you don't present your solution, they're like, wow, I feel heard. I like you more now. Cause I've been talking. I want to buy, I don't even know what you have to sell, but whatever it is, I probably need it because I feel heard. No, nope. <laughs> nobody ever talks. If you let somebody talk, they always like you more. It's true. It's hundred percent true. 100%. I love that dude. Yeah. It's like, really? Cause that guy didn't say anything. How do you do? <laughs> like, all right, cool. So it just signed right here, I guess, you know, um, but, but I, th- I think you're spot on. Right. And I think just the, even go back to the caring piece, like authentically caring, doing what's right for them. 
right? Doing what's right for them because you truly care. So I'll give you an example. So even yesterday, I had this like great, you know, like very qualified process. We had a great conversation. In fact, I know if I wanted to, I could have closed them right on the spot, right? But because of what we discussed and they were still on a path of where they want to go with their career, I knew the best thing for them was not to close them because if they went this alternative path for the career, my program would just wouldn't make any sense for them. So from there, I literally pause. I'm like, hey, listen, like, listen, they're ready to like, just whip out the credit card and just go. I'm like, I want you to pause. It takes some time to just think. Think about where you want to go with your career in the next three to five years. Digest it. So we set up another call. So this way they have time to think. And they're like super appreciative. They're like texting me. They're like, I can't believe you did that. Like, wow. Like, thank you so much. Like, it actually speaks of your of your character. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. It's, it's most importantly, it's what's best for them. And when you can operate from that spectrum, you will sell at a greater level. You'll serve better people. And it's better for your soul across the board too. Yeah, I, I think it's so easy. You know, it's easy to get caught up. It doesn't do you any good to, when you sell somebody something, there's kind of three, and I, I think we mentioned this on, I, I was talking to a guy yesterday about this, is that if you talk somebody into something, at some point they're going to, they're going to be, you know, they're either going to be, they're either going to mat, they're going to get upset or they're going to want to get out. And it's not good for you. And it's not good. It's not good for them. I mean, ultimately people best sell themselves is oh, somebody's yeah. got to be in when they buy, when they, buy, when they buy something, it's just not, it's not good. It's not good for your heart either. If you're, if you're oh, selling, yeah. if you're selling people, if you're, if you're a good like human being, like, you know, when you've like tried to talk someone into something, you know, you're like, Oh, I know they said yes, but I really don't feel like really great about it. I've done it. Right. I'm like, God, like, why did I push so hard? You know, you know. So it's like you have to like slow down and like look yourself in the mirror. Like that's why I find the best sales with the kind of ties as well. They know themselves so well. So they see these triggers. So they're able to like stop themselves from pushing too hard and find the right balance to really be in the present in the moment to really serve the people and do what's best for all parties. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I agree. So let me ask you this. If you take those three core things that we talked about, you know, care, caring. So what do we, what do we say? It was like caring and then being interested or, you know, having some, you know, being inquisitive. Why is it if you have those characteristics and you succeed in one area that those wouldn't cross over to another? Cause that does happen a lot, right? Guys selling one thing and he comes over another market. And now he can't be successful. Do you think it's because, you know, in your analogy that you gave or the example you gave, like the person was doing things like lead generation and appointments. And, you know, the, the, to me, those are maybe different skill sets than what made him a good salesperson at the end. Like he, there was a new introduction of tasks that he wasn't doing. But w- what's your thought on that? How can you be good at one thing, have those core characteristics and move to something else and be totally not successful? Sure. I think there could be a few different things, right? So for example, sometimes even the belief that they have in that product, the company, the leadership is not the same level as before. So even like the conviction they have when they're even asking questions or whatever, they're not confident. So they don't know quite well, you know, and I've seen them sometimes where maybe they've been in industry for a long time and they change industries and it's totally new to them. And they haven't really taken the time to really understand the ideal customer profile, the right use cases, et cetera. So they're not hauling body, but also number two, the questions they have are not as good or as well structured as when they did before. Because at this point, they've done it so many times, and now this new industry, they're not the same way. So even though they're still asking good questions, 
even how they do it and what they're asking, they're not as confident or they don't feel as good. That's really key. Well, Roscoe and I think sales cycle. Oh, keep going. Yep. Yep, yep. I'll say lead sources for sure could be a, a key as well. Like where the leads actually come from. Like, you know, if they were primarily super hot, warm leads versus now they're in a, like a eh, okay lead. So the ones, even if they're just doing the closing portion or the, the discovery and close, they're not as good leads to work off of, right? So sometimes the environment around them makes it a little bit easier for them to succeed. So that's why it's not uncommon. Like if you go to like a, a well-structured company where they have good lead flow, good everything, and you're just in that discovery closing type role, like an AE role, you might do really well because you're set to win. And then you you, you, you have those good, good core, uh, core skill sets. Then you go to a new company and you're like, oh, crap, I'm, I'm pretty good at questions, but I need to get even better. So maybe like the skill level you had at this last company is not going to be enough to be successful in this new company. And you have to increase the skills even more, which is also really key too. It can be complexity of the opportunity as well, what you're selling. Maybe you're something more sophisticated buyer. Maybe it's a more complex sales process. So I'll see someone who's going from SMB, small, you know, small to mid-market, to selling enterprise opportunities, and they struggle because they're not good with talking to the C-level exec. They're really good talking to the business owner who's doing, say, under 50 million in sales. But now they're talking to the billion dollar companies that are doing 500 million plus. And now they're like, ooh, I'm not comfortable. I'm not in my own in my own like skin here. It's really hard. Also, there's other things such as, for example, I think money beliefs are key too. If you have the wrong money beliefs, that can really impact your, your how you sell as well. Like if you're going in and you're you're selling an offer that before that you felt really comfortable, if you yourself were were in that shoes of that person, you'd buy too. Maybe it's ten thousand dollars a year, twenty thousand dollars a year. Now this new solution you're selling is a quarter million plus. If you yourself don't fully believe it, and again, it's very hard for you to have that alignment with how you actually buy things and how you sell too. Again, a disconnect. So you have to have alignment across the board from you know the skills, the offer, everything else to be able to be consistently successful even in the new role regardless of how good you are asking questions yeah i think the i think the one thing you said that money beliefs you know when all of a sudden you get a sales guy who is selling something that's beyond the amount of money they've ever seen before correct gets gets challenging it's like yeah yeah, that can be that can be a big thing if you've only sold four pintos and now you're like you know you can go sell maseratis it's gonna be incredibly hard for you to sell Maserati. Like, yeah, you, you got to get your you got to get your mind mind around. It's a it's a total oh, different yeah. income range. Total different income uh, range. Different, completely different people. I think sales cycle has a lot to do with that too. You know, if you sure. if you're in a short sales cycle, you've been successful. You yes. move to a long sales cycle. High all of a sudden, you're not getting the wins. Enterprise. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You're, you're not getting 100%. the wins as fast as you need them, and and then I think companies are always unfair and unrealistic on long sales cycles. On terms of rep length and ROI, you know they got a 12 month sales cycle, but they want you to sell 90 days in. Right, 100. How's that make any sense? Like, how are you supposed to get a sale in 90 days when usually it's a 100, 365 days to get a to get an average sales? But it happens all the time. All right, well we're getting sort of we're getting down here to the end. This was awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. As always. Uh, If you want more information on the podcast, go to monsterconnect.com forward slash podcast. Uh, You can get last season's, uh, last year's episodes. You can get all the new episodes for this year. And as always, remember, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. Until next time.